Hey, what up guys? Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. It's Friday, September 1st, and I have to say it's fitting to be September now. I looked out the window this morning, clouds, chance of rain, fall breeze seems to be kind of creeping into the air, and it feels like September. I feel like I'm going to wake up from a dream and it's still July because summer always flies by, but this one specifically has just been a blur. Maybe it's just because I've been really busy with work and other things and the summer's just flown. I feel like it was Juneteenth, which was what, June 19th, and I was just getting getting into the summer and now here we are. And anyways, the crazy thing is it's been almost a year since I was in Italy for the wedding, went and surprised my dad there. Great trip, got to go visit the family in Spain as well, Switzerland, French Riviera, Italy, oh, it was so fun. And I can't believe that was a year ago now. So much has changed in my life in the last year. And so, I don't know, I'm looking out the window here, September 1st, kind of just in my head about how insane it's been that it's been a year already. And uh, I'm, I think fall's probably my favorite time of the year, to be honest. Uh, I'm a Scorpio, my birthday's in October. I mean, I, I think horoscopes are bullshit, but I am a Scorpio, October birthday. I don't know, I just like this time of year. So I'm, I'm excited for things to cool off a little bit. Days to get a little bit shorter, enjoy the cooler weather, that's all I can say. But it looks like while the fall is good, in my eyes, it looks like there's going to be a lot of political um, chaos, uncertainty, whatever you want to say. Of course, we have the Republican debate coming up, I think, in the end of September, if I have it correctly. And then we're getting into that year before the election, where it's always a shit show. There's always chaos. There's... uh, Fun conspiracies that have been going on on Fox News and on Twitter. I saw some on Newsmax. Trump has been putting out videos talking about how, look how convenient it is, guys. There's a new COVID variant. They're talking about lockdowns a year before the election. They're going to try to increase mail-in ballots and voter fraud once again to steal it from me. And uh, he went on Truth Social about 30 times, putting out about a wide range of videos, but Trump is claiming and his allies are claiming that there's going to be new lockdowns to make sure that the election is fraudulent again. I don't want to stay on that particularly long, but I don't see that logistically making a lot of sense for Democrats because national polling shows that lockdowns, mask mandates, all that type of stuff are not popular with the American public. They've got increasingly less popular with the American public. So I don't think it would make sense for Biden to do more federal lockdowns or Democratic cities to do more lockdowns because it would just make Democrats look bad going into an election year. But these things spread like wildfire. And I'm going to get into the Biden beer debacle or Biden beer bandwagon, whatever you want to call it. But these things spread. I mean, yeah, I've been following the new variants. I've, I've heard they have some new symptoms like pink eye is one of them, vomiting. But they're still quite benign from my understanding. The The hospitalizations compared to even early Omicron are a lot lower. So yeah, there's a new variant going around. Makes sense. You know, back to school is always the time where kids get sick. Can't say I'm particularly surprised about any of that, but I do think it's a little bit insane to think that there's going to be a new mass scale lockdown conspiracy for the election. So, you know, blue states can ramp up vote by mail to make sure Trump doesn't win. My advice, if I was on the Trump team, would be talk about the economy talk about crime in cities, and basically don't talk about all the election conspiracies again because people are getting kind of tired of it. People want to move on. And if you want to be president again, maybe we move on. 
we also have to remember that Trump was pretty much involved in lockdowns and horrible COVID policies as well, telling people maybe you can just inject bleach into your body to do so. A lot of people did, and there were a lot of hospitalizations for it. I mean, not a lot, a lot, but people did listen to his advice, and it did not help them. So anyways, yeah, there is a new variant going around. Cases are going to definitely surge even more, but I wouldn't freak out too much now about the idea of massive lockdowns again. There just seems to be a change in ideology now where the vaccines are readily available. Some people are more afraid. They're more risk averse than others. And I think that's how we're doing it. But I don't see lockdowns happening again. So don't don't overreact to that too much. But anyways, I want to talk about the Biden two beer debacle, which is spreading on right wing media. And I think it's a very fitting story for the state of the GOP. I have constantly covered how they've kind of ran out of policies. Yes, they got Roe v. Wade overturned, but they realized that a lot of the American public supports some form of abortion rights. They, they just are not really on the popular side of many issues. So the GOP has to focus on these weird, I don't want to say nuanced, because it's like the antithesis of nuance, but they are focusing on these just batshit crazy theories, like it was Bud Light, ceiling fans, gas stoves, and now it is beer in general and the Biden administration cracking down on your beer. So basically, a little background, before we get into Ted Cruz being brave and drinking beer on stage, which is great, I'll play the clip. Basically, this all started during a press conference at the White House where Peter Ducey, Doug Ducey's son, you know, Fox and Friends guy, he, uh, Peter Ducey asks Corinne Jean Lapierre, um, press secretary for Biden, he says in quotes, does President Biden want to limit Americans to two beers a week? And asked to give context, then Peter Ducey went on to claim that the director of the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, a guy named Dr. George Koob, did say that the U.S. may follow Canada and recommend just two beers a week. Jean-Pierre went on to basically say, I cannot speak to this, we'll leave it to the experts, blah, blah, blah. And since this press conference... Twitter, I'm not going to call it X, you guys know how I feel about that. There was a post on Twitter which went out on August 26th by a user named Gigabeers. It was viewed about 500,000 times, and it said here in quotes, Biden's alcohol czar wants to limit you to two beers per week. Yeah, uh uh-huh, like we're doing that. I like how they call it alcohol czar, too. I mean, that's really appealing to the communism, Biden's a communist stuff. But anyways, what's happened since then is I think... Jean-Pierre's lack of an answer and all these theories spreading on social media has led to this this whole thing blowing up on the right. People are getting angry about this and I guess are truly thinking that the Biden administration is going to start enforcing two beers a week no more with an iron fist. Like, (laughs) this is kind of similar to the theory last year that the Biden administration was going to ban meat or they wanted to ban gas stoves. They kind of become a rallying cry to the right in the culture war that Biden's going to come, you know, with an iron fist, impose his values on you. I I guess what they're worried about is that, okay, so you you have three beers during the week. Biden's, I don't know, the FBI is going to show up on your door and yank the third beer from your hands or something. I, I don't even know. And it's all just kind of insane to me, but I'll get into why in a minute. But I, 
I think Newsweek has a good piece that can help us understand what actually was going on here. It has a good piece that actually describes what the doctor named George Koob meant. And the article writes here in quotes, Koob told the outlet that if alcohol consumption guidelines were to go in any direction, it would be in line with Canada's, where new guidelines published earlier this year by the Canada Center on uh, on Substance Abuse and Addiction recommended citizens limit alcoholic drinks to two a week. So this wouldn't be the Biden administration enforcing it, coming for your beer. They wouldn't limit how many beers can be sold in stores. None of that. It's just a recommendation or a guideline based on kind of where the science is going. And I, I, could, I do not only have two beers a week, I will admit that, but I have seen articles and studies throughout the world that are all going in one direction. It's true that alcohol is probably worse than we originally thought, and less is better than more. It used to be like you could have one or two a day. That was the recommendation. That does not seem to be the direction things are going in. It seems like there's no healthy level. Of course, I think having drinks with friends, going out, all that stuff is fun. And there's more health benefits sometimes to having a fun social night with some drinks that outweigh not drinking at all. So, of course, there's no like iron fist they're going to start regulating booze more. It's just a recommendation. And people can do what they want with that recommendation. But due to just the reactionary views of Joe Biden and the disdain on the right for his administration and the inability to actually do policies, the right is just turning this into some rallying call again, much like gas stoves about a year ago, which was also insane. Or there was also the one where the wood pizza ovens in New York, they said were all going to be banned, where in reality, they were, they were just actually causing like health issues, the pollutants and what they were burning. So basically, New York was saying you just need to put in a regulator on these to basically make sure that the emissions being released are not exceeding some certain levels. But then the story online was, oh, Democrats are banning pizzas. <laughs> Anyways, let's, let's get into Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is becoming kind of a hero, a brave man. Do you know why he's brave? He was on Newsmax, and he cracked open a beer and told Biden to kiss my ass. He was on Eric Bowling's Newsmax show. Bowling drinks an alcohol-free beer because he's on the air. You have people behind Ted Cruz cracking open beers. And look at this. These are heroes, cultural heroes out there. So I'm going to play the clip and then give you some of my thoughts on it. But it's pretty funny. It's, it's really been great to me to see Ted Cruz's just, I mean, I think decline is the only way to really put it. I, I wonder if you could go in a time capsule and show Ted Cruz some of these videos in maybe like 2014, 2015. I wonder what he would think. I sure wouldn't want to look in the mirror if I was Ted Cruz. But anyways, here's the video. For new construction, they're trying to go after and regulate ceiling fans. I got to tell you, it's hot in Texas. We don't want to get rid of our ceiling fans. And now these idiots have come out and said, drink two beers a week. That's their guideline. Well, I got to tell you, if they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. No, okay. Um... Senator, I, uh, I brought a beer to drink with you. I'll drink this non-alcoholic beer with you because I'm not allowed to drink on camera, but I'll have, I'll have a sip. In well, the meantime, look, but... I, I got to say, so what... have you ever seen a brand do more damage to itself than Bud Light, which, which single-handedly seemed to destroy themselves? So I'm glad you're not drinking a Bud Light. Personally, I'm fond of Shiner Bach, which is a good uh, tech Texas brand. I've been to the Shiner Brewery in Shiner, Texas, and I recommend it. And I promise you, this is not alcohol-free beer down here. 
No, I, and by the way, the one I have uh, right after the show won't be alcohol-free either. And it may just be a... <laughs> so there we have it. Ted Cruz is a brave man. He actually, by the way, there's no video, you're not seeing the video, but it wasn't even a, you know, a bottle opener beer. It was a twist-off. I've always told my friends over the years, I'm always hesitant about twist-offs. A lot of the beers that are twist-offs are not good. And Ted Cruz, maybe it was opened already, kind of like how Hillary had that pickle jar already opened when she opened it. But either way, Ted Cruz twists off that beer, takes a sip, and he's a rebel, guys. He's a hero. Ted Cruz is standing up for the important issues in our society. And maybe he has a lot of experience drinking beer when he's on cruises in Cancun, leaving his state during a state crisis and people are dying. Maybe Ted Cruz has some experience sitting on those... Cancun cruises drinking Shiner Box, which by the way, I'm not a big Shiner Box guy. But anyways, maybe I should be called a hero because I would love to go on a news show, crack open a beer and tell people to kiss my ass. That sounds like an easy job. You know, the deep state's coming after your beer, guys. But I just don't know what these people think is going to happen. Like national guidelines on many things change. Science changes. And look, Ted Cruz is a really smart guy. I mean, you can disagree with me on the merits of that, but I think he's, what, Harvard or Yale-educated lawyer? Like, this guy's not an idiot. And he's appealing to this just strange anti-intellectualism, anti-science, where he's basically saying, oh, studies say this. Just because they say that, I'm going to just drink more beer. I'm, you know, he's appealing to just the lowest common denominator here of just stoking up anti-intellectualism. And that's a lot, that's kind of where a lot of this MAGA base has gone. I'm not saying the whole party at all. But he's appealing to this anti-intellectualism, and sadly, it works. And it just, I mean, the last thing I'll say on this is it just does really seem like the Republicans are losing on the issues, and they are struggling to pass legislation. And so when you have nowhere else to go, you turn to ridiculous culture war issues, like Bud Light, like gas stoves like this now. It's a shame because, you know, I, I think after January 6th especially, some of us hoped the party would change, move on, but the, the party's just gotten more anti-intellectual. And again, a guy now with 91 indictments is, is probably going to be their front runner and could be president again. And I guess when you have that trajectory, you just double down on the stupidity. And so now it is literally... People like Ted Cruz drinking beers on interviews because Biden is going to come and take away your beers. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's special. That's all I can really say. Now, also speaking of theatrical movements because you can't actually govern, it looks like the Republicans in the House are preparing for an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. And of course, this has been happening since like day one. I think this is inevitable. Marjorie Taylor Greene had already prepared articles of impeachment on Biden's like second day in office. You know, the, the smoke hadn't even cleared from January 6th and she was already getting ready to impeach him, right? So this has been inevitable. The crazies in the party know the base wants this. And so they're going down this road. And the Hill notes here in quotes, that the possibility of an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden appears to be growing, with Speaker Kevin McCarthy giving signals recently that one could be launched as soon as September. Now, I've seen interviews with Kevin McCarthy 
And he claims this is a fact-finding mission. They just want to bring accountability to the American people, blah, 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 blah. And I think there's two reasons here, of course, that the Republicans want to impeach Biden. Well, I mean, there's probably a lot more, but these are the two main ones I can think of. They have obviously attacked the White House over corruption in the form mainly of Hunter Biden, arguing that younger Biden uses his ties to win business in Ukraine. That Archer guy, Devin Archer, who went on Tucker Carlson, who was also a business associate of Hunter Biden, I don't think he actually really gave many revelations. All he basically said was that Biden had been on a few phone calls, Joe Biden had been on a few phone calls, and had just said hi to everybody. My, my thoughts have always been that Hunter Biden is a shithead and very shady and done some very bad things. And Bo Biden dies. Joe Biden is trying to basically establish a closer relationship with his troubled son. And he made a dumb decision, I think, to be in some of these phone calls. I just still haven't seen enough evidence that he actually was involved in any of these business dealings. I think he just made a bad calculation to try to be there for his son and... I, I, like, as I've said many times, he needs to distance himself from Hunter Biden. I think he needs to speak out more about Hunter Biden. Having him at the White House and all this stuff is, is stupid. Yeah, Hunter Biden is corrupt. I think there's a lot there. He's not paid, like, I think close to a million dollars in backed taxes. He lied about getting a firearm. The guy clearly was in these attempted pay-to-play schemes. I do think he needs to be held accountable. I've never been one who's downplayed this because I think it's clear that if a lot of Americans did what he did, they would be in serious trouble. But I just don't know if this all comes back to Biden because there's a lot of families with black sheep that have, had, that have been presidents, and this is another one in my opinion. Anyways, so that's the one reason that I think they are opening this inquiry into impeaching Biden. You also had the plea deal, right, collapse, and now there's a lot more scrutiny on Hunter Biden. Also, there's this Biden corruption narrative that's then gone around this. Again, there's so many contradictions with this narrative because people say Biden is mentally frail and cannot run the country and someone else is pulling the strings. But then in the next sentence, they say the corrupt Biden family is a crime family that's all powerful and has a net around the world. How are you a powerful crime family and also an inept president being controlled by others? It just gets too confusing for me. All these conspiracies just, they kind of collapse when you think about it. But then they're also talking about Biden weaponizing the Justice Department. So there's a lot of political things here. That's why I think this impeachment inquiry and probably impeachment, because usually when you open an impeachment inquiry, it leads to an impeachment, right? And I don't think there's any actual legal merits for any of this. It's all political. There are conversations to be had about the first Trump impeachment in 2019. Part of me feels like this did open the floodgates to living in an era of impeachment like, we're just going to see each president get impeached. And I don't think that's a healthy way to have politics. But again, that is where we're at right now. But when I look at why the Republicans want to impeach Biden, it's all either about Hunter Biden or Trump's actual war on the Justice Department and Biden just responding. And it's all political. And it's all kind of this extended universe of conspiracies that if you're just an average person watching the news, it's really hard to actually understand why this impeachment is happening. Like, you need to be on X. You need to be watching Trump's truth social stuff. You need to be on Reddit, on social media. Like, if you're just the average American working, just watching some basic news at night, maybe watching a Netflix instead most of the time, like, all of this gets a little bit complicated. And I'll get into it later why I think this might backfire on the American people, 
because of that. But anyways, moving on with this impeachment, basically Marjorie Taylor Greene has been at the forefront of this. Big surprise. She has been, of course, normalized in the GOP, but she's still insane. And the normalization of Marjorie Taylor Greene is, I think, one of the worst things that's happened in the last two years. Like, she's now seen as kind of a power player in the House Republican Party, and it's dangerous and just horrendous. But basically, Marjorie Taylor Greene is kind of giving Kevin McCarthy sort of an ultimatum, like, we will either shut down the government in about a month or so when they have to now re renegotiate debt ceiling limits or they impeach Biden. And basically this has always been inevitable, like I said. And basically it's shut down the government or impeach Biden. And why? Because the Freedom Caucus types, the MAGA types, they need to keep doing red meat politics for the base. And I guess I should explain my theory on why the Republicans, I think, feel a necessity to impeach Biden. And I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I'll go into a little more detail. First and foremost, I think Democrats actually fucked up during the first impeachment of Donald Trump in 2019. And prior to, and let's remember, that was the one where Trump was doing a quid pro quo withholding javelin missiles to the, the, the Vladimir Zelensky government in Ukraine, right? over-investigating Hunter Biden's ties, Joe Biden's ties to Burisma Holdings, which was an energy firm, right? And I actually think that there were a lot of issues here where you had the president holding up weapons for a political investigation to a country that needed aid. You had like Rudy Giuliani, you know, going around Ukraine and China trying to dig up dirt. It was a scandal. But I think the way the Democrats handled this impeachment really divided the country even more, and led to a lot of Republicans saying, this is all scorched earth, we will impeach the next president because you guys made this political. And from my understanding, it's, it's always, it was always considered procedure based on interpretations of the Constitution that the House Speaker needs to hold a vote with the entire House before the process can begin. So basically, the articles of, of impeachment would need to be brought to the House for a vote before the impeachment process could actually begin. But Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House in 2019, basically said that this was not necessary. She saw no reason in the Constitution for this to happen. And so she and Democrats bypassed the process, saying it clear that no vote was needed. And this seemed to be a break from the process that was typically done. And this infuriated many Republicans, some even moderate Republicans who at the time probably thought Trump's actions were bad. But after these process failures, I think, from Democrats, it brought all the Republicans together, even the ones that would then later go on to vote to impeach in the, in the January 6th, second impeachment of Trump. I think that's the difference here. And it's really telling is you do see several House Republicans vote to impeach. And then, of course, some Republican senators voting to convict in the Senate in 2021. But in this one, there was no Republican support for this impeachment. And I think it was telling because of the process and how poorly they designed this. And it really did rally the Republicans together. And I think now they want to do something similar. No process, push it through, scorched earth, blah, blah, blah. So that's my first theory as to why they're doing this and why it's probably going to be ugly if they do do this. Second, though, Kevin McCarthy, 
as we know, is speaker, but he's speaker in name. He's, he's a weak speaker, though I will say he's actually held them together better than possible. But to keep them held together, you have to give a pound of flesh. That's what happens when you sell your soul for power. And it seems obvious that the base would eventually demand of him to do this, right? He has to keep a myriad of different groups happy. He has to keep the Freedom Caucus happy, which is like a crazier version of the Tea Party. He has to keep the MAGA movement happy. He has to keep the base happy. And he has to keep moderates in line as well, which is a fucking circus if you think about it. But that is the fun that Kevin McCarthy gets to deal with. And so basically he can make the MAGA movement and the Freedom Caucus happy with this impeachment, which then of course will trickle into the Newsmax Fox News, online world, and that'll make the base happy. So he can appease a lot of his own crazies by doing this. And I think that's why he's doing it. The calculation is I want to keep my job. Obviously, we know that Kevin McCarthy does not care about partisan or bipartisanship, cooperation, or making the country better. He cares about keeping his job, and he keeps his job by doing this. Now, there's another good Hill article that I think is pretty interesting, and It talks about how the White House has been pretty bullish in calling Republicans out, talking about how this impeachment inquiry, potential impeachment would backfire. And I think this is probably true because we have to remember, yes, the Republicans control the House, but it's a very slim majority because the midterms back in 2022 didn't go as well for Republicans as we thought they would. So this means that McCarthy barely has more than a few votes to spare if they want to launch this inquiry. Because, yeah, he, he can cut out Democrats and, and, and have Republicans decide this, but what if some of the Republicans don't agree with this either? It could backfire. And the White House has basically been arguing that this inquiry could risk the party's majority if any or enough moderate Republicans who won in Biden districts are forced to take the vote. And obviously there's a pivotal, pivotal election year coming up, right? We have to remember that there are still some moderates in the GOP, in the House GOP, I mean, and some of these individuals, one in Biden districts, probably don't want to do this because it makes them look like idiots. And of course, we know that self-preservation is kind of the main thing for a lot of these people. So you have to wonder, are some of these people like Ken Buck uh, of Colorado, is he going to do it? He's a representative Republican from Colorado who has called this idea impeachment theater. You also have Mike Lawler, a Republican in New York, who represents a district Biden won. Does he go along with this? You know his opponent in his re-election will attack him for rallying with Republicans to impeach Biden. And there's a lot of moderates that I think that will just see this as impeachment theater, no doubt. It also does seem like the public thinks this is a stupid idea. The MAGA base, of course, I'm not counting here. And there's some Republicans here that totally believe this is necessary because Biden is part of the corrupt Biden family, but also he's, you know, inept to do his job. But anyways, according to the Public Policy Polling Center, which is left-leaning, by the way, so just keep that into mind, but it does say in quotes, 56% of Americans think an impeachment inquiry into Biden would be more of a partisan political stunt. It also talks about how 51% of those polled said they think an inquiry would be more about damaging Biden politically, while only 45% think it would be about finding the truth. To be fair, I don't really know if impeachments are ever about finding the truth, to be honest. Impeachments are not legal, 
right? They're not a legal process. They're a political process. So of course, they're always going to be somewhat political. But I, I do understand here that I don't think this is about any answers. It's basically about fueling the base and giving back to the radical Republicans in the House what they demand. I do think also this and the beer thing kind of sum up our political situation or the political moment we live in perfectly in the United States right now. Florida, for example, has an awful hurricane. Housing is insane. Inflation is bad. The border has significant issues right now. Ukraine is a mess. The economy and inequality are getting worse. And what are Republicans doing? They're arguing about beer limit changes, and they are trying to do a theatrical impeachment. It just seems fitting that we can't have nice things. We truly live in the, in the we can't have nice things moment in this country, and it is too bad. It is really too bad to me. Now, before we're out of here, I did just want to also mention that impeachment aside, I feel like Biden has a, has a pretty significant uphill battle if he wants to be elected. Sorry, I thought I heard a noise out there. But yeah, I think it's going to be quite difficult for him going forward. I can't help but wonder if we're kind of getting into one of these eras where we only have one-term presidents due to polarization, division, disinformation, all of the above, right? And it just seems like Donald Trump, Biden, two of the least popular presidents in U.S. history, coming back to back. Look, Trump loses after one term. Biden comes in. Now he's really unpopular. Can he actually win again, especially with his age, approval ratings, how Americans view the economy? Because we have to remember, people always say unemployment's down, the stock market's up. The economy is all about vibes, more than, than specific numbers, right? And I think the current vibe in the country is that gas prices are high, wages are not doing enough, inflation is still bad. Hell, I mean, I was at the grocery store just buying my usual shampoo and conditioner and stuff, and every time I go, I feel like the, it's more expensive. You know, it, it used to not cost me in the $30 just to get, like, my basic showering tools, you know, and so I, I think the current vibe in the country is that things are not looking up. Yes, if you're older, have your money invested in the stock market, you own a house, you read those numbers and say, yeah, things are good, but it just seems like the vibes are not good right now, and... I just wonder if we are getting into an era of one-term presidents due to this. And The Economist has a good piece that I think kind of backs this up a little bit. It writes here in quotes, about, well, well, actually, I'll go back. It's basically saying that it's going to be difficult. Like Biden has a tough road ahead. And because he's basically running on, don't criticize me. Think of me as better than your alternative, which is Donald Trump. Now, of course, if the Republicans were smart or if, if the whole GOP was smart, they would nominate someone like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, someone like that, because I think Nikki Haley would easily beat Biden. Trump is actually the problem here. Like, a lot of people just can't stand Trump, will not vote for Trump. If there was an alternative to Trump in the party, they could probably beat Biden in a general election. But, hey, you have to get through a primary, and Trump's obviously dominating. But anyways, The Economist writes here in quotes, Only Jimmy Carter and Donald Trump himself, both one-term presidents, at least so far, 
had net negative ratings worse than Mr. Biden's at this point in their presidencies. That's according to, a, to an analysis of aggregated polls by the political publication 538. The article continues, in late August, its summary of public polls showed that 42% of Americans approved of the job Mr. Biden was doing, 53% disapproved. I also think that the economy is something that, that needs to be stressed more in this. I'm worried that there are some indicators going on right now that show we could be seeing an economic downturn coming. And I'm worried that an economic crisis of any form could really be bad since Biden has kind of attached the economy to his name, calling it Bidenomics. I thought that was always stupid because, like I said, the economy is about vibes. The vibes are not great right now. And connecting yourself to the economy, saying Bidenomics and how good it is, that could really backfire if things get worse. And that's when you do, I think, see an, an inevitable Trump victory. And obviously, I don't think Biden has dementia. I think he is probably very fine at doing the job, but he looks old. He's slow. Press conferences are painful to watch. And I think that's just kind of the way it is. I think that's just kind of the way it is. And, but, but, if, but if we mix in prices going up, economy struggling, then it's a pretty easy way for Trump or whoever the Republican nominee is to just connect Biden with Bidenomics and all that. So impeachments aside, stupid policies on the right aside, beer wars aside, they could still beat Biden here. That's, that's the sad reality here. And it's, we're just going to have to keep watching. But Lots of chaos going on right now. So, yeah, starting off September on a real happy note. But anyways, have a great rest of your day. The Sunday countdown will be back. I'm not going to tell you the topic yet because I haven't totally decided what it's going to be yet. But Sunday countdown on Sunday. Take care. Have a great rest of your Friday. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You guys know the rest. Ciao.